Hey, welcome to Praying the Psalms, a daily podcast from Doxa Church in Madison, Wisconsin. As the church finds itself isolated from one another physically, we are reading, studying, and praying the Psalms together each morning as a way to join ourselves together spiritually. We want to slow down. We want to get a bigger picture of God and a clearer picture of ourselves. But most of all, we want to join ourselves together around the throne of the one who's joined himself to us. So if you haven't already, pull out a Bible and spend some time in Psalm 78. Now, Psalm 78, it starts like this. It says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable, and I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that have been heard and known that our fathers told us. We will not hide them from our children, but tell them to the coming generation, the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to our children that the next generations might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of the Lord, but keep his commandments and, and now listen to this part, for the reason we sing this psalm, right, the reason we, we pray this, is also so that they would not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Now, this is an interesting psalm. It is interesting to pray, and it would even be more interesting to sing, right? This psalm is uttering dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers told us. And the reason they are dark sayings is because it is a retelling of God's story, of his consistent faithfulness to his people. And simultaneously, it's a story of our consistent unfaithfulness to him. And we are told that we are supposed to not hide this from our children or the next generation. We are actually supposed to put this song on our lips and remind ourselves and tell our children of the story of God and his people. That is what this song, this psalm is about. But the reason that he starts this song with a verse about how we will not hide the works of God is because this is a song that at first no one wants to sing, right? No one wants to pray this. No one wants to sing this. Because it's about the things that we don't want to talk about. Our history of unfaithfulness and our sin and our inability to obey the commands of God. It's about our idolatry and our wandering. It's about our constant complaining and lack of belief. It's about our lies and empty promises back to God, telling him that this time we will be faithful, this time it will be different only to prove our sinfulness once again. And it's also about what happened to us as a result of our sin. How our sin and lack of trust in God actually kindled his anger against us. And in our constant lack of trust and failure and adultery, we found ourselves under his judgment. And what's made clear in the Psalms is that the wages of sin is death. And this morning, as we read and pray through the psalm, we come across what are rightly called dark sayings. It's a psalm about the mighty and wondrous works of God, yes, but it is also a psalm about our response to his mighty hand in our life. 
And this is what it says in, in verse 13. We'll just kind of jump in here. It says, In the sight of their fathers he performed wondrous deeds in the land of Egypt in the fields of Zoan. He divided the sea and let them pass through it, and he made the water stand like a heap. In the daytime he led them with a cloud, and all the night with a fiery light. He split rocks in the wilderness, and he gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like the rivers, right? These amazing miracles and works of God that he performed when they were in the wilderness, fleeing from Egypt, their oppressors. And then we read these lines. Yet they sinned still more against him, rebelling against the most high in the desert. And then you get to verse 21. It says, therefore, when the Lord heard, he was full of wrath and a fire was kindled against Jacob. Because they did not believe in God, did not trust in his saving power. But look what God does in the midst of this wrath, in the midst of this judgment that is welling up in the heart of God towards his people for their unfaithfulness. It says, yet he commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven and he rained down on them manna to eat. Grace. That's God's response to his sin of his people is grace. And he rains down bread, but he also rains down meat, right? There's this amazing stories in, in, in Exodus, and you can go back and read these stories, and, and you can go. It's amazing. It's amazing. But then in verse 32, it says this again, In spite of all of this, they still sinned. Despite his wonders, they did not believe. And so along with grace, God brings judgment. So he made their days vanish like a breath and their years in terror. And in the midst of judgment, in the midst of, of their lives getting hard because of the heavy hand of God, it says, and then they remember him. They remember that God is their rock and their redeemer. And it feels like, oh my gosh, yes, in God's judgment and in his consequences that he brings down on them because of their sin, they are going to turn to him. But then in verse 36, it says, but they flattered him with their mouths and they lied to him with their tongues. Their heart was not steadfast towards him and they were not faithful to his covenant. Yet he, being compassionate, he forgave their iniquity and he did not destroy them. And then in verse 40, you kind of just see the summary of this, this history of God's people and it just says, how often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. They tested God again and again and provoked the Holy One of Israel. The reason that we need to remember these dark sayings and the reason that we need to tell them to our children and the next generation is because this isn't just Israel's story, but this is our story. Right, our story with God actually takes the same pattern, right? God loves us, he is faithful with us, and he, he joins himself to us. And then in our sin, we run from him. We don't trust him. We fail to obey him and dishonor his name. And even though we've been made as God's children, we live as children of the world. And I, and I want us to just take a minute this morning or tonight, whenever you're listening to this, and I want to let this sit over us. 
Maybe what you do is you read some of these lines again and you meditate on them for a few minutes. But I want to give us all space to actually retell our stories. To tell the dark stories of our life where God was faithful to us and when we responded in unfaithfulness to him. And I want to just take a minute and actually walk through like a catalog of these moments of our lives because this psalm, what it's trying to do is it's trying to actually remind us who we are, but also simultaneously in the midst of that, it's supposed to remind us who God is. So take a minute and actually retell your story of these dark moments in your life. The reason that we can pray this psalm and retell these dark sayings is because even in the midst of the consequences of sin and the judgment of God that fell on his people, God was always working grace. Right? That is what is so stunning about this psalm is that this story ends by God raising up a king. Right in the midst of all of this failure, God raises up a king that would go before his people, one with an upright heart who would not lead them through just his words and commands from a distance, but who would actually be their shepherd and guide them with his skillful hand. And this psalm ends by looking at how God raised up King David, right? This kind of grace in the midst of judgment, but it is really about how God's ultimate response to our sin and failure his ultimate response to our unfaithfulness to him would be to raise up another king. His greatest act of self-sacrificial faithfulness would be to send his one and only son into our world to be our king, to be our shepherd, to lead us and guide us, but also to be a lamb. So that the wrath of God that we have earned, the wrath of God that the fullness of it always turns from us, never lands on us. The reason this is our story is because that wrath of God would land on his son instead of us. And this is a story that is worth retelling again and again and again, not just to ourselves, but to our children and to the next generation. Because despite our unfaithfulness to God, despite all of our failures, and despite the unique dark moments in your life, God has not abandoned us, but instead he has chosen us. And he has not only provided a sacrifice for our sins, but he has given us a shepherd whose mighty and skillful hands will carry us all the way home. Let's pray to that shepherd and king this morning. Jesus, in the midst of our failure and our stories of consistent unfaithfulness to you, you have always been faithful to us. Jesus, we, we come before you, and, and God, our Father, we come before you this morning, and we just lay down our stories at your feet, and we say, we are sorry. 
we have failed. We are unfaithful. But God, we praise you this morning because in the midst of our unfaithfulness to you, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our darkness, your grace and your goodness and your wondrous deeds to us, they shine even brighter. We love you today. Thank you for making us your people. Thank you for saving us. In your name.